what do campus ministry, our work in Conj, Haiti, and our role within the larger Episcopal Church have to do with one another? We'll explore that question today. I'm Alan Bentrup, Canon for Evangelism and Mission in the Episcopal Diocese of Upper South Carolina. This is the Make, Equip, and Send podcast, the stories that shape EDUSC. Right, so I'm here with Alan Yarborough, who is of and used to be from Upper South Carolina. Alan, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, Alan Yarborough, originally from Asheville, North Carolina, uh, but currently live and work in Washington, D.C. with the Episcopal Church's Office of Government Relations. Okay, so you're from Asheville. How did you find your way to Upper South Carolina? Yeah, I attended undergrad at Clemson University, um, so that was my first introduction with Upper South Carolina and, and started attending the Canterbury ministry there with uh, with Holy Trinity at the school church. Awesome. Yeah, Canterbury is, you know, it's one of the threads that runs throughout the diocese and kind of holds the diocese together. What was your experience at Canterbury like? How was it formative for you? You know, it was, um, I, I haven't stayed in touch with the ministry since then. Um but those four years that I was there, it was fun to be a part of the growth of that ministry, um, both locally and sort of the visibility within the diocese as well. Um, so it was pretty small when I got there. Um, and then my sophomore year was sort of this, this bigger portion of growth and visibility of the ministry um, at Clemson in particular. And then my junior and senior year, I was the co-peer minister for that. So during that time, it was it was led by a peer minister. There wasn't a, a priest who oversaw it, other than uh, other than Father Neiman, who was the, the rector at Holy Trinity. Great, thank you. Outside of that, I believe you've also been involved in some of the work in Haiti. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. I um, so I was looking for a chance after graduation to live and work outside of the U.S. And had a friend of mine in Nashville tell me about the Young Adult Service Corps, which is a, a missionary program of the Episcopal Church uh, that places people outside of their home country somewhere in the Anglican Communion. And um, the couple of parishioners at that Holy Trinity heard that I was going into that program and uh, asked if I could request a placement in Conj, Haiti, um, which, of course, the Diocese of Upper South Carolina has a long, uh, long-term relationship with that community. Uh, and so one thing led to another, and and I was able to to work out a placement there, um, and ended up living in Haiti for about three years. Wow! What kind of work did you do while you were in Haiti? Yeah, so the first uh, the first two years I was in Conj, um, working in community and economic development. Um, part of that was sort of an extension or a growth of the Clemson Engineers for Developing Countries program, which um, was had been working on water and sanitation issues. Uh, in Conj, in that area, you know, in, in partnership with the Diocese of Upper South Carolina, they were hoping to add on, you know, economic development as a component of that work. So I was there to identify uh, projects the community was interested in, wanted to put forward, and kind of be a, a go-between between the community uh, and the the donors and the the support that was there in, in South Carolina. That's great. So you were there for three years. Um, what happened after that? Where are you now? How did you find your way to stay in the Episcopal Church? Yeah, so the 
I was in Cannes for two, and then I moved to Cap Haitian. Um, it's the second largest city in Haiti. Um, and did a third year there as a, as a missionary for the church, working with an agriculture center um, called the St. Barnabas Agriculture Center and did project management for a revitalization program there. Um, and from that, um, got a fellowship with the Office of Government Relations and the Center for Anglican Communion Studies. Um, yeah, Center for Anglican Communion Studies at the Virginia Theological Seminary. Um, so stayed in that for about four months and then was hired uh, full-time as the communications coordinator and office manager with the Office of Government Relations. So a lot of folks may not know that we, the Episcopal Church, has an Office of Government Relations. What, what's the role of that, of that group? Yeah, so the, the Office of Government Relations um, was first started in 1978. So it's been around for, for quite some time, and a lot of other Christian denominations have um, similar offices and even, even had them established before we did. Um, but our primary objectives are to represent the uh, policy positions of the Episcopal Church to the U.S. federal government. And those policy positions come exclusively from general convention or executive council resolutions. Uh, and then our second objective is to then uh, educate, equip, and engage the Episcopal Church, so individual Episcopalians, and the Ministry of, of Public Policy Advocacy. Do you all have resources you provide to parishes or individuals around discourse and how to have political conversations or conversations in this wonderful environment we find ourselves? Yeah. So our primary means of communication to the church is the Episcopal Public Policy Network. Um, and some people know us by that name and aren't aware of the sort of the office name. Um, but we have social media and an email list that we use to communicate with, with people in the church about opportunities for, for action, writing members of Congress on certain issues. I mean, we do release resources through those same uh, the same channels as well. Uh, we've had election engagement resources that we've done the past couple of years uh, that I've been a part of, and, and even before that. And then we have a civil discourse curriculum that's a five-part curriculum, sort of intended for um, formation leaders, uh, lay or ordained um, in different parishes in the church who who may um, see a need within their local community to help people have better conversations with each other. Um, to deepen their understanding of, of one another's positions so that we can move forward uh, in a more productive way. Great. And the week before we're recording this, so a month or so ago, once folks are listening to this, y'all hosted the Bishops United Against Gun Violence on Capitol Hill. Bishop Waldo was not on that trip. He is um, involved in that group. What was that like to host them? What was the, the idea behind that trip? Yeah, it was uh, the the trip and the week with them could not have gone any better. I was really proud of all of us for that that collaboration. But the idea was to have a, a group of bishops um, come into D.C. and do a day long a day of advocacy with members of Congress on issues of gun reform. Um, so they combined that day of advocacy along with their organizational meeting um, and had meetings with other secular organizations um, and some faith based folks as well um, to talk about gun reform, um, gun violence, and ways to address it. But the, the advocacy day itself, we helped um, pair the bishops or arrange meetings between the bishops and either their members of Congress or other key congressional contacts on the issue uh, in both the House and the Senate. Um, so we had some really successful meetings that, that came as a result of that. Um, in the House, actually, the, the day that we were on the Hill having those meetings, the House passed um, HR 8, which is a pretty important 
um, piece, of, uh, piece of legislation around gun reform. Um, it's likely not going to be taken up in the Senate, uh, but it was still great for visibility and conversation on the issue and the contacts that we made um, on both sides of the aisle with Republicans and Democrats were really helpful in moving forward. Um, and it was also helpful to just uh, to talk to the bishops about how they can, in the long term, build their relationships with their elected officials in, in their district. So sort of pairing the, if you think of, of a diocese as a district and thinking about what senators and, and uh, members of the House uh, represent the same people um, and trying to get them connected and, and uh, help them know, know each other better um, in a personal way, um, in a way that opens up more dialogue and conversation around uh, policy issues. We've done some work locally, some advocacy day work and training around the issues of public education with the yep. Fellowship of South Carolina Bishops. And, and we try to do a lot of that. It's, you know, my office right here is across the street from the state house. Um, and so I can go meet with folks. But when someone from Camden or Spartanburg go into a local office, they're able to impact folks in a way that because I don't vote for all these folks. You don't vote for all these folks. But um, when someone who votes for them says, hey, I want to have a conversation about this, they tend to listen. Yep, absolutely. Um, and there, there are other, that's absolutely right. And there are other sort of ways to enrich these relationships as well. It's not just a matter of, of saying vote yes or vote no on a particular bill. It's uh, really about recognizing sort of our our joint effort, our, our each of our particular positions, and um, in our work, and, and how we can move together in that way. So, what is the bishop's role, um, or a priest's role, or a church leader's role in their community, and how is that valuable to the members of Congress? And, and then looking at that from the other way as well. Um, so, the relationship building really is—it's more long-term. It's more about making a, a personal connection um, between the bishops and between the, the members of Congress. Um, so that when there is an opportunity to really collaborate on work, you know, the, the relationship is there. It's already established. That's great. We'll share uh, the links to Episcopal Public Policy Network, OGR, the things you've talked about in the show notes so folks can, can learn more there. Before we go, what are you excited about in your work, in the church? What's driving you right now? I think what's what's driving me now is what's driven me for the past. I've been with the office two and a half years, um, and I really like creating spaces, even if it's just a brief moment, where Episcopalians can have a conversation or an exchange on a political topic within the context of their faith or within their faith community. Uh, I think there's something really valuable um, about churches and the Episcopal Church in particular um, and our political diversity and sort of having a reason, having our faith as a reason to come together, to meet one another, to be in fellowship with one another um, and to really leverage that space um, and keep that sort of sacred space of, of the sacred space we share together um, as one where we can have important and critical conversations about our broader communities um, and how to make those communities better, how to live out our, uh, our faith, um, our faith calling to, to build a better world. Yeah, I think that's true, particularly as we approach this next two-year cycle. We remember God's call to reconcile the world in all its many forms. Sometimes those take political forms and political division. But how do we, as, as followers of the way of love, of the way of Jesus, seek to, to reach across any boundaries we may want to develop? So yeah, thank absolutely. you for your time. Thank you for the work you're doing. And we hope to have you back in Upper South Carolina so we can say hi sometime. Yeah, that would be great.